Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm Anthony Simone, live with Alex Nicholas for another episode of the Rush Podcast. We're coming at you uh, a little bit new today in the sense that I'm looking at you a little differently, man. I, I can't. I'm supposed to look at you in the eyes. I'm trying not to, but I can't help I'm it. I'm wearing glasses for the first time since I was like 12, 13 years old. Um, so I'm still trying to figure my way out through this podcast, but... I guess we'll see how it goes, man. It's like a sober shoom trip, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, fellas? What's going on? Shout out to the message boards. Shout out to the Minor Rush commenters and the loyal readers of MinorRush.com. Got a big, got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about today, man. I'm, I'm real excited because, look, man, we talked about it for weeks already. Where the basketball program's at and what it took, you know, what they needed to get to this point where that they're at it at this exact moment after what they suffered midway through the conference schedule. So huge week, um, huge game coming up tomorrow night. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could probably talk about it for a whole hour, but we might, we might, we may not, who knows. But uh, also got some, some football news, um, you know, about Mike Rugel's got some, you know, talk some spring ball, I guess. Yeah, Alex, a little Alex spring ball. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, if I, for that, man. I don't know if I've been more hyped for a UTEP spring ball session in years. I mean, I always like going to the spring game and whatnot. You know, Mike Price has kind of bolstered that up. Like we talked about a couple podcasts ago where, you know, that there's more of a hype for that. And I mean, this there's so much intrigue to this year's spring ball. I mean, starting right off at the quarterback position. You know, that's the one that, that I'm going to be looking at. We'll be, I'll be out there. I'll try to get out there that first game so I can, or that first day of practice and as many practices I can go to. But, you know, I work 8 to 5. They practice 8 to 9, so it's real tough. and got to kind of pull stuff out of my ass to get out of there. But, I mean, anyhow, I mean, just so many storylines going in. I mean, the big ones are quarterback. You know, I think the only quarterback we won't get to see is Kabika yeah, Johnson. Which is the one you probably want to see the most. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, and I think everybody, and I yeah. even think going down to the coaches, they want, want to get a good look at Kabika now. Um, but, you know, he's going to be, I guess you could say, behind from a, a, stand, a competition standpoint. I think more than X's and O's. I mean, it'll maybe more than X's and O's because you got, you know, a guy like uh, a guy like Leftwich, Mets, uh, Simpson, they've all been there. So, you know, they're going to have that two, three-year window already on him. But, you know, it's going to be real interesting when you talk about the receiver uh, as the quarterbacks. And then, as I said, receivers and slipped up, that's my next thing it is the receiving core. A lot of young talent, a lot of speed. Uh, Couple of guys that that can figure in size wise and can be the physical uh, presence that's going to be needed at receiver, especially in Utah. Offense, but that's really the second biggest question going into campus is the receivers. I mean, who's going to step up? You have a gallery of guys, you know, and then not to mention a guy that we talked to last week, agent MJ McFarland, who I feel is going to be a big, you know, is going to play a really big role in that receiver tight end blocking mode. I actually watched the game last night on the Longhorn Network when they played. Uh, West Virginia, and this dude was just annihilating guys off the edge. I mean, just a really, really solid guy that he's going to bring. You know, the third thing, the third biggest question going into camp is going to be the the, the secondary corners. I mean, UTEP is going to have some really good safeties coming back and Deshaun Smith and Devin Cockrell. But really outside of that, we're going to have a bunch of new guys out there at the corner, and that's really going to be a big deal. you got Adrian Heinsohn, uh is going to be a redshirt freshman that's going to battle for corner. The guy that we talked about last week, again, Trent Trammell, the BYU transfer, is going to figure in. That's another guy to watch. 
Um, you know, Mookie Carlisle, who was a safety that we're going to see, you know, probably play every all three safety positions for UTEP. Um, and then the fourth big question going in is the linebacker rotation. You're losing a guy like Puente. You're adding a bunch of younger guys in there like, like a – like Justin Tatum, you know, Stephen Forrester, will we see Stephen Forrester as a linebacker? Trey Brown, can he duplicate a very productive junior year into a good senior year? And then the fifth one overall is, is, is to me, is, is outside of Aaron Jones and the running back. Who's going to emerge? Because yeah. there's, some deep, there, there's some deep talent there, but it's unproven talent. You know, you got a guy like uh, David Ham who came in and played pretty solid last year. Um, you know, we all know what the La Fossa brothers bring. But a guy that I really want to see is Trayvon Hughes. I think he could be a real X factor as, quote, unquote, a true freshman, even though he was sort of red-shirted slash gray-shirted last year. But those are kind of the big things I'm looking for. And, and particularly, I mean, what, what stands out to you, everything that I touched on, you know, outside of the quarterback position, obviously, because yeah. we can go on that one forever. But from the receivers, secondary, to the running backs and to the linebackers, what is the most important need for development in the spring? Not so much, well, not not so much like a guy to to separate himself, but just production that we're reading through Brett's columns in the Paso time. It's like, oh damn, that guy's showing up. I mean, in those position groups, what do you want to see? Kind of. I mean, I think we talked about it a lot last week and, and wanting to see who's going to step up at linebacker and kind of fill in that depth. Like you mentioned, the loss of Puente, that's a big loss for that unit. Um, so I think that's that's one major thing for me. I think I think I think more than anything though is it, big picture. Like you're starting to see that there are a lot of questions for this team, and like we we are extremely excited about this spring and this this upcoming season, um, especially coming off of what what they did last year, and and we kind of almost expect them to do the same or better in this coming year. But you start thinking about it, and you start saying, well. The first thing you let off with was the question about quarterback. Which I mean, we, we, we don't we don't have a quarterback, yeah. you know, and and you know, there's all these questions about the, the the depth in the secondary and at linebacker, and you know, if you can't stop people in this league, then you got issues. And so, especially with the type of offense that we run, you know, we're not really built to go out and and hang with teams when we're you know to score 35, 42 points a game. This is not going to happen. So. I think the big picture here that I'm starting to notice is that we have a lot of questions. We have a lot of areas that we're still kind of concerned about. And obviously, it's early on in the process. I mean, things will start to shape, you know, shape out and everything will shake itself out. But I'm just saying you're starting to notice that maybe our expectations are a little high for where yeah. we are at this point. You know, maybe, who knows, maybe in spring we, we start seeing a lot of guys come out and, and play up to our expectations and younger guys come in and, and they look great in, in off season and whatnot. But at this point, you're starting to see that there are a lot of spots that need to be filled for at, on, on the offense and on defense. I mean, really the only thing that we have coming back that we're sure of is Aaron Jones. Really? Yeah. You know, so that's kind of just what's starting to, 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 you know, kind of creep into my mind about football is, you know, I, I'm, I'm waiting for spring because I need to see what this team is actually going to offer. I mean, there's just questions all around, and and that's not to that's not to say that I'm expecting a, a step back next year. I'm really not. But I'm saying where are these, how are these questions going to be answered? And then the the biggest thing of all is just having to wait until the fall to even see <laughs> yep. Johnson. That's that's yep. huge because you're expecting a freshman. Well, you're not expecting. I mean, we are maybe, but the program is obviously going to move forward and go with what they got in the spring, and, and they're going to have a competition in the spring with or without Kamika Johnson. But it's just it's tough to have to wait until the fall or summer to see a guy that you almost expect to be 
if not the starter, competing to be the starter, you know? And that's man, that's that's a lot to take in. And then you expect him to kind of be that fire in the bottle, whatever that the you know, that that verbiage is when you talk about, you know, a guy that just steps onto the scene. It would be great to have him do that in spring. But yeah, like you said, I mean it's just interesting that, you know, before we talk, it's kinda of, you know, you're right. We kind of felt like, oh yeah, you know, there, there's more excitement. You know, we got guys coming back. But when you look at that big picture, I mean, there's so many holes to fill. But at the same time, there's so many guys that have been around this this new culture of UTEP football. This hardworking blue collar, you know, bust your ass in practice and you know, die in practice, and, and you go to heaven in the game type yeah. of deal. And I think that's very, very important. And and that's one thing I really think. Going back to last year's first practice of the fall, it was just really intense, and and you felt. And even then, I wrote about the defense, and you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to hype it up too much because you know we're coming off a two and ten year, and nobody's expecting much. But I'm, I just saw little things when, and they're not even in pads, you know, they weren't even in pads. But you just see the little things, guys flying around. You see that team camaraderie of, you know, nobody's really having a coach, nothing. The practice is just flowing, you know, and that's really what I want to look for in these first couple of spring ball, uh, spring practices that I'll be able to make it out to. And, I mean, it's uh, Jason Witten, of course. Uh, what, what connection does he have to Richmond, Virginia? I have Virginia? no idea, man. I have no idea, but that's actually a good game. Yeah. Uh, VCU was almost down and out a second ago. Now they're heading into OT with, with Richmond. But, but yeah, man, um, I just – I think, you know – one thing that, that excites me more than anything is that I know Cougars got his program locked down. Yeah. And, and, and I know that, he, that they're going to be disciplined. They're going to be prepared. They're going to be ready to play when, whenever that time comes. And so that in and of itself buys you, in my opinion, one or two wins it's on its own. You know it did what I mean? last year. I mean, it really yeah, did that, last that's year. That's what I'm saying. You know, and that, those are the kind of things that we lacked under Mike Price. You know that discipline. I Mike Price loves Mike Price. He's a great coach, but that obviously that discipline just wasn't there with his players. And and I feel like when you're in those close games, that's when it pays off. Yeah. You know, and 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 we saw so many close games with Mike Price that we just never we could never turn the corner into to making it a consistent winner. And I feel like if we can if we can just stick to the plan and continue to get these guys that we've seen that we've interviewed we've talked to we've seen film on you know that buy in that want to work hard that are ready to come out and play winners, hard proven winners proven winners i mean these guys it's exciting man but again the main thing is even though with with all the questions that there are you know that Co- coach Kugler and his staff will have these guys ready to play and it's just and that's what makes it so exciting. For yeah, I, I think that's where our excitement is because we've we've documented you know all over minor rush of of the Renaissance under Sean Cougar, the the mental toughness Renaissance, the practice your ass off Renaissance, and that's I think that's what's fueling me because it's like okay these are the quote unquote Cougar guys that he recruited, so let's let him go to work on that. So a lot of talk about we're gonna keep you all updated throughout the spring as much as we can, as many practices we can get out to, many interviews we can get. We'll definitely bring out some information. Uh, unrelated spring ball note, I guess, or you know, related for, to football, but Mike Ruggles transferring to Texas Tech. Um, announced that today on his Instagram account. Uh, we got that that up there on MinorRush.com as well. Hey man, why is everybody treating Ruggles so bad? I, th- I thought Ruggles was a really solid punter. I think the only knock you could say on him is maybe his release time wasn't as quick. But yeah, guys right. are going after Ruggles. Right. But I, I got a lot of respect I, for that I, guy. I hear, man. I hear everybody, you know, bitching and complaining about that Kansas State game because he had a couple punch blocks and whatnot. But truth be told, man, that game, that at least that 
you know, the, the special teams play was more about him not getting protection. Yeah, all about so, not getting protection. Other than that, though, the kid, the kid had a, you know, he had great averages. Great, he had a great time. year as freshman yeah, year too. So, so I mean, he's, I don't know, I got, I got nothing but, you know. I mean, I, I, I think I even, well. I think I even had the stones to say that he could be an NFL funder, which so, I think he we, can. I, too. I think we both talked that. about yeah, that. Yeah, we, we've talked about it on our podcast before, and I think I mentioned it in the article that that I wrote up on him was just that that's what he's looking for, and and if he can continue to improve the way he has. Then, then he will end up in, in an NFL. He, he will at least have a shot. Oh, if yeah. you can average forty, what was it like forty six yards of kick and boom a seventy three yarder and in boom your three career. and have like four two hang time, you're gonna get a shot yeah. at the NFL. I guarantee you. So, so you know what, man? We can hate on him and people can hate on him, but the truth is, he did well. It didn't work out for him here, and and he's moving on to, to Texas Tech. And put, put, the puts a little more uh, weight on that Texas Tech game, though. You know. Uh, well, he is. He's not gonna play, though, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's. He, have to transfer yeah, out. To I don't out. think he's a, he's a senior yet, but good luck to Ruggles. And, uh, but let's talk something that really matters right what, here what, what's and What's going to happen less than, in 24 hours from now, we're both going to be, all, all of us are going to be nervous as hell, commenting on the minor rush open thread, talking shit, and it's it's going to be a mess 24 hours. I'm not, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, but I'm not looking forward to the stress of what that game is going to bring to us tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I think... I'll put this out there, man. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure I, I would never tell anybody in public, but I actually did. Um, we'll go back to the uh, to the Marshall game. Cried. Came off that loss against Western Kentucky, right Thursday, and then Saturday Marshall, and we're struggling, we're struggling, we're struggling. It's coming down the stretch, and and I think I texted you something along the lines of, I almost hope they lose. Yeah. I almost hope I remember they lose. that. And you know what, man? I've never ever felt like that about UTEP. In the days where UTEP football was down thirty-five nothing, man, I was still there thinking they had a chance. You know, I'd go with family to be like, "You ready to go?" I'm like, "Nah, they can still come back." You know. <laughs> but this one game, I was like, and I don't know. Remember, I can look up the. I think text, you just sped up, and you did send me that. It was something along the lines of, "I almost hope they lose," and it was because I felt like that was the only way that this team could wake up. It yeah. was going to take something that drastic for them to lose to a bottom feeder like Marshall for them to finally wake up and say, like, hey, what the hell's going on here? We have so much talent. We've got these coaches. We've got everything that we need to put it together in a league like Conference USA that it, hands down is, you know, I'm not going to say it's the worst in, in, in mid-majors, but, and I'm not even talking low mid-majors. I'm talking about your your mountain. Or A10s or whatever you want to call. It. I mean, we're at the bottom of that. I mean, we're not even in the same league as any of these guys right now. You know, for a team like UTEP, we should be dominating right now. And and I just I it was so frustrating to watch what happened. And I, I just felt like it was going to take something like that to finally wake these guys up and get it turned around. And here we are, three four weeks later, and you got you got a seven game win streak, and and you've got the biggest game of your season. On the line right now, because in my opinion, you win this game, you win Conference USA. Yeah. Same goes for LaTeX. Same goes for LaTeX. I mean, this, this, that's the, the brutal truth of this game. I mean, you look at the schedules going forward after this. You know, Southern uh, uh, LaTeX has UTSA home and then Southern Miss. 
UTEP has uh, Southern Miss and, and North Texas and Rice. I mean, it, it should be. It definitely should be that. I mean, this game has just so much riding on it. You're talking about, um, you know, there's, there's starting to be a budding rivalry between, between La Tech and UTEP. We handed it to them last year by 10. They came in here, you know, they came in here early in the year, spanked us, did whatever they had to do. You know, they've been that next powerhouse next to UTEP the past couple of seasons here in, in this new wave of Conference USA basketball. And, I mean, this game just has so much riding on it. There's so many storylines that you can talk about. You know, you're talking about, like like I mentioned, the history, the recent history between these two teams. You got both teams with veteran leaders on both sides that, you know, you're talking about uh, Louisiana Tech's big four and UTEP's big three, guys that have played over hundreds of games for for their program, and they really haven't won nothing. You take a look at, at La Tech, yeah, they've been to the NIT, but they haven't won a conference championship. They have, you know, and you go to the UTEP side, UTEP hasn't won a conference championship. We all know where they've been the past couple of years. So there's so much riding on this game, not only from a standing perspective, but from the players that have been around these, these, both of these programs and are looking to kind of change that way. And yes, they're, they've been powerhouses in the Conference USA, but they haven't hoisted the trophy. They haven't lifted a banner in their gym. So I think there's a lot of pride in this game between both of these teams that in between, you know, with, with these veteran guys that there's a lot of talk that this means a whole much more than just beating UTEP and getting in the first place in Conference USA. I mean, there's so much surrounding this game with both of these teams, fan bases, and, you know, I, I think there's a, a really legitimate budding rivalry with La Tech uh, starting to build, particularly with basketball. I definitely agree. And it's like you talked about, man, both these teams – they're on the same page as far as what what they want, where they're at, where they've been. Um, just kind of longing for that for that big win, for that conference win, for being a champion. Yeah. Since Floyd has been here, we've almost expected. It. I know we've had some kind of rebuilding years, whatever, but we've almost expected it every year. And it started with his first year when he had guys like Randy and Julian, and you know those guys. Um, and, and it just it just you had it so close. It's taken from you. <laughs> hey, look, off topic on that real quick. That guy went to the line as a freshman in a as hostile environment as you will see and and sank two free throws with the Conference USA Tourney Championship on the line. So I give that guy so much credit. Fuck but, man, you know, <laughs> but no, I mean, you know, so after everything, we're here. You're, you're here, and, and the, league, the league title is – is one way I mean, I hate to, to, to discount everything else that's still got to happen because there's still three more games. But you got one game, in my opinion, and and you win the league. And is that is that you know the the ultimate goal of the season? I don't think so. I, I mean, you know, we we all know what it is to be a mid major and know that um, even winning your league doesn't mean you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. But it at least guarantees you a spot in the NIT. Not that that's anything to write home about, but you don't have to worry about are we going to be on the CBI? Are they going to pay for so so you know you at least have that. Um, but but more than anything, it's just getting back to the winner circle and being where I think this team deserves to be. And frankly, we shouldn't even be in this boat right now. I look back at the schedule, man, and I and I see teams that I'm just like we should have like a two and a half game lead. Yeah, at, at the at most a two and a half game lead on. Honestly, the only game the only game that I think we really should have lost 
was Louisiana Tech. Yeah, that's it. And I didn't even think going in that we should have lost to them, you know. But we just played so poorly, and, and we were just so cold, and we couldn't find our rhythm offensively or defensively. But, I mean, other than that, I think we should be 13-1. and or thirteen and one. I, or I think, I think we're both in an agreement on there's two games where we just can't take away from the last column, even out of conference, Arizona and this last Tech game. I mean, those are just two games where every other game was winnable. Those are only two games where I believe UTEP was down. I, I might have to go back. Somebody might have to call me up. But that might be the only game, the two times this year where UTEP was down by 10 points in the second half. All year, we haven't gotten blown out. I mean, this there's just so much that could have, would have, should have. But at the end of the day, though, it's pretty amazing that to have to be in this position. Even, even you can say about La Tech with some of their losses. You know, a loss to their bad losses at North Texas, you know, early in the year. So, I mean, for both teams to be in this situation, I'm pretty sure both coaches, you know, are definitely happy. But, I mean, they're, they're, I mean, what, what, are you, what are you seeing in this, this second matchup for UTEP? I mean, what has to get done from a defensive, you know, that, I mean, well, more than, I think they held, held their own defensively. Let's switch it to the offensive side. What does UTEP need to do to score more than 45 points? Well, in first game? of all, you got to be able to break the press of Louisiana Tech. That's first and foremost because they came in the other the, the first time and they gave us so so much trouble with with that press. Cooper mainly, and, and, and it wasn't and it wasn't so much that we couldn't get it past half court or whatever. We definitely had plenty of turnovers, but we couldn't get into our offense. And as it is, I feel like like we don't have the best offensive set. Um, sometimes I feel like we rely too much on on just going one on one, one on one basketball, and and so when you when you take 15 seconds just to get into your offensive set, you're, you're not putting yourself in, in a good spot to be successful, uh, possession per possession. And so I think that's the first thing. But but more than anything, we gotta be we gotta be efficient with the basketball. We can't be turning it over. And I'm not just talking in pressure. I'm talking about just lazy, sloppy passing, whatever it might be. And we have to get Vince Hunter involved, yeah. man. Or we have to get Vince Hunter involved. I think that's that's the biggest thing. He's kind of taken a backseat the last couple of weeks just a little bit. I mean, he's still doing well, but not what he was in the first half of the season. And and so I think, you know, may, those are the main things. You know, you got to be able to break the press, take care of the basketball, and, and get Vince Hunter involved. And I think those three things will definitely translate into, you know, <laughs> well over 45 points. And, and I don't I don't know if, if – I mean, I really – looking at a lot of the matchups, I think the only guy that could really bang with with Vince for 40 minutes is Eric McCree, but still, I mean, he hasn't really proved to me yet that he's a stopper. Eric McCree is a great offensive player, and I really think he's been really coming into his own in, in Mike White's system over there the past couple games, if you look at some of his stats. But, I mean, really, you're right, Vince has to be that X factor. He just, Vince frustrates a lot of guys down low with his motor. I just going back to the Arizona game. I, yeah, I watched. Yeah, I'm, I'm a loser. I watched the first half of that the other night. The Arizona game, and Vince was just getting in the guys' heads with this hustle. And this game is going to go in the double OT. Oh, I thought he was going to hit him. <laughs> I mean, but you, I, I think you're real Vince quick. Has real to quick be to take to take this off in a completely different direction. If anybody's out there watching this VCU Richmond game, how often do you see that work? That yeah. make the first one miss the second one when you're down three with a couple seconds of play? Never. Never. And that thing just worked to send it in double OT. But my bad, man. <laughs> but, now, I mean, you're right. I mean, Vince, that that's – you know, it's really – what do you think it is? You talk about taking, like, a back seat. You know, is it just CJ getting hot? Because it's – I mean, they're, they're, they've been so unselfish. 
Yeah, this team and even Vince himself and you know he's he's his assist numbers I guess you could say have kind of gone up a little bit compared to where it was before. You got Cooper that's shooting these more aggressive and Urban Morris is is starting to become is playing his game. You know, either he's coming off the screen, either he's a set shooter, or he's able to to dictate the game with his dribble. I mean, what do you think it is? Is Vince just kind of letting things flow in offense, but he's still turning the ball over a little bit too much during the stretch? Well, I mean, we've we've seen it all year long where he kind of tries to do too much at times. And we got to live with that. Yeah, you do. You do. You got to let him do what he does. But I think, think one, yes, you have seen a lot more from the guards um, as far as shot, shot attempts. I don't have that stat in front of me, but I would just assume that the shot attempts for Cooper and Morris have gone up in the second half of the season. Um, I think Morris, we saw some big games from him early on, but I think Morris was very efficient early on. He was hitting a lot of threes. So when you see him scoring 15, 18 points, it was on 8, 9, 10, 11 shots. And now you're seeing him with games more 12, 13, 14, 15 shots. And... um, Cooper, obviously, is starting to come along a little more. And so you're seeing him take probably, what, eight to ten shots a game. And every one of those shots takes away from from other guys, and one of the biggest ones that takes away from is Vince. Um, the offense has just been going a lot more through the guards as of late, and I and I definitely think that that's affected his game. But but I also think, you know, you got to give credit to defenses. Um, Vince Hunter's an animal, man, and he will not be stopped if you continue to go through him. But a lot of defenses have have made adjustments, and they know that they that the, that they've got a key on him, and so they kind of make other guys beat you. They double team and whatnot, get it out of his hands, and and so I think those two things are the biggest reasons why we've seen Vince's production just kind of taper off just a little bit. But um, you got to get him going again. You you have to, especially in this game. I mean, there's both of these teams come in with with you know pretty much no benches. I mean, seven, eight guys, whatever, you know, but but neither team is really deep. And so if you can get Vince Hunter going and get these guys tired, start getting some fouls on their bigs, it's a huge advantage for the Miners. But let's 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 keep in mind that Louisiana Tech hasn't lost at home this year. No, or they haven't lost in the past 26 games at home. And it's called a little deeper. Yes. And I just, I'm kind of, like, I'm so hyped up for this game. I, since Monday, I'm like, man, I gotta wait till Thursday, you know. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I almost don't know what to expect. I know some of the guys. I think like Minor Mike and Javi, they're on, they're on a Minor Rush talking about how confident they are in this team. And uh, I, I think if it was any other game, I'd say the same. But man, you you went up against a team that already beat you once on your home court by 13, and now we're going over there where they haven't lost in 26 straight games. It's hard to be confident, man. It's hard to be confident. And and I just I, I I like I'm almost scared to see the miners kind of revert to what we saw earlier in the year where they were just kind of so inconsistent, slow starts, didn't know what to expect, didn't know which team was gonna show up. Because if that happens, we're gonna get run out of the building. Yeah. Oh no doubt about it. But <laughs> again, like I said, man, I could talk about this game for an hour. I, I just I really could. There's just so many different aspects that you could look at. There's so many different takes on it, and no matter what, you, no matter how you slice it, it's 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 the biggest game in Conference USA so far. I mean, going back to what you're saying about the guards and Vince Hunter, Vince Hunter shots down. You're right. I mean, you look at a guy like uh, you mentioned CJ, or you mean, yeah, you mentioned CJ and Irvin. They're both shooting 
60 more. They shot 20 more attempts from three than they did in, in a non-conference schedule. And But the biggest thing is I'm looking at these stats and kind of just glancing through them, and that was a big thing, and, and that kind of explains and it's because they're efficient. I mean, CJ's 38% and, and Urban's 43%. So, yeah, you can live with that. But the big thing that, that's jumping out to me right now is Hooper Vint. As many yeah. minutes as he's played in conference play, one turnover. Wow. One single and we And we've talked about Cooper or Hooper, Cooper, Cooper and Cooper. You know, whatever. But, I mean, we've talked about okay, Hooper. So we're talking about Cooper, right? We're talking about Hooper. <laughs> we're talking about Hooper. We're talking about Hooper. We're talking about Hooper. Okay, Hooper and we've talked about his improvement, but I mean that right there, six to six. I mean, no, he's a big man, of course. Yeah. He's not, this is not a big. Not going to handle, handle the ball, but you look at a guy like Sed who has twenty-seven turnovers, and of course Vince is going to have thirty-six. So those are your two big men. And I remember listening on Coach uh, Floyd's show on Monday where he talked about your four guys are usually the ones that have the most turnovers. Yeah. But and you would expect the way that Hooper has sloppily played, you know, for lack of a better term there. But the, that's really key is the guys that, like you mentioned earlier, the guys off the bench for both teams are gonna have to be efficient. You're talking about Hooper Vent, you know, you're talking about a guy like Omega Harris, who I wrote in, in, in the game preview, Omega our guards have to hit shots in this game. They're going to have to hit shots. LaTeX is going to be able to pack that paint in just kind of like they did. You know, they, they switch a lot on these pick-and-roll actions. And, you know, with that, you're going to have to hit shots. So I think it's the, really the little aspects of this game, guys off the bench coming in and giving yeah. you a spark and guard play. No I, that, those are my two no keys of just having that there, not necessarily having Omega Harris go off for 20 points. But if he can hit a couple threes in certain situations. Has there been where, any official word on Wilms? According to – the uh, release from YouTube, the video interviews, he's going to go. Now, I would guess, you know, maybe 10, 15, I, I, let, let me say, I, let me say this. I think he'll go into the, the role that Hooper was playing before. I don't even think it's worth it, man. I don't think so either, but I mean, you, you got to, if, if the kid comes down, he's playing hot. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and mad the guy those, that's. Those, those ankles, I mean, those, those. Foot injuries, especially man, with these stress footers. fractures with exactly with seven footers is so tough. I mean, I know it's hard to compare him to a guy like Greg Oden, but you've seen it happen so many times with Greg Oden, and it seems like once they get injured, they're just so much more prone to those injuries, and that's the toughest thing. It's like don't. I, I realize that this is the biggest game of the year, and the conference championship is on the line, but I just feel like there's three games. There's three games. There's there's three games in Birmingham. Is, the truth. <laughs> Exactly. That's the thing. The truth is, if he didn't play this game, if let's just say he was only 80%, I would say just rest him. Because you know what? You can pretty much rest him the next three games as well and not even flinch. Like, you could just play this lineup that you've been playing the last weeks and, and still be confident going into him. So, if he's 100% or damn near it, I say he needs to go back in. You start him slow, but if he's hot, he plays 30 minutes. If he's not near it, then I think... You gotta just take. You gotta take a step back and say, you know what, this is a big game, but it's not risk. It's not worth risking him and risking our debt long term yet. But that's just kind of what it seems like. I really think that we'll see the Hooper Vent minutes pre-injury to Matt Williams. I think that's what we'll see Williams and, and to get talking integrated. Talking about Hooper, in. man. Talking about Hooper because the biggest thing with Hooper Vent early on in the year, and we talked about it, he was a liability. Yeah. There's no there's no sugarcoating it. He was a liability on the offensive end and the defensive end. He couldn't grab a rebound. He couldn't defend. And, and I hate to be so blunt and so, you know, just real, real about <laughs> it, but it's the truth. 
And and you've seen him over these last three weeks really develop into a very good role player. He's not going to go out and get you 20 points, but he's definitely going to hold his own now down low. He's going to haul in some rebounds. And he's more active on the defensive glass. When you notice, he he goes after yeah. him. Before, he just kind of sat back and, like, if they came to him, he'd try to get him. Because but, he thought he was 6'10 and everything. Magnet. Exactly. But, not, but now he's, he's, he's going after that basketball. He's getting those rebounds. He's getting you a, a couple big buckets. And, again, he can still stretch the defense out to the three-point line, which is huge. And so – that he's turned in, you know, from a liability to a complete asset, man. And and I just think I talked to you about it about writing up a post about how Matt Williams' injury has kind of been a blessing in disguise in a sense because you get a guy like Hooper Vince the ability, Hooper Vince the ability to to you know establish himself as as a piece of this team, as a true part of this team, and get the minutes that he needs to develop. And practice is one thing. You know, he's been here a couple of years already, and, he's yeah, he's had practice. And, yeah, he scored 20 points in an exhibition game. But, 26, don't short him, <laughs> damn it. But, but this is where you really grow and develop. And so I, I just, you know, I can't say enough about Hooper, man. man. He's been huge for this team. And once Wilms is healthy, he just will be even that much bigger. You know, and it's just, over four is just sick. He's ridiculous. And it's kind of like Floyd said it. He's playing. He's giving them confidence for next year, too. We're talking about – uh. I'm not gonna say the word. I'm gonna say the word rebuilding, but I'm gonna be when I write about this team next year. It's reloading more than anything. Yeah. But you got a guy like Hooper that can just gain so much confidence and and like Floyd said, when you have a 23, 24 year old senior, body wise, getting this confidence of this year in this run, it's gonna be huge for this program next year. Yeah. Big time. So we talked. We covered the offensive side of what the miners need to do defensively. LaTeX just has so many weapons. How do you think Floyd goes about him? Who guard to? Is it a is it a, a Floyd masterpiece with junk defense? That's what it's got. That's what it has to be. It, in my opinion, you there's not one guy you can key on. You can't know. And, and so the thing about it is, is that you got to keep him off balance. That's what you really have to do. Do you come out and press a little bit yourself, or you know? I, I mean, I, they're too. I don't know. If they're too. I don't know if they're too quick to to press because if, once they beat us down the court, we don't have that. I don't. I don't think we've got. The, the speed to get back you in time. You exposed the last yeah, week. Yeah, and I don't think we have the speed to get back in time to guard them. Um, we have the lane to, to, to create pressure, but yeah, I agree. I just, I, I, I don't know, I've always kind of maybe thought a team like LaTeX, you can frustrate, but you got a great point there where they might just run past the exactly. team, especially a guy like Speedy Smith. And and so I definitely think that it's, it's going to be all about, it, I don't think it has to be jump defense all day long, but I think it's more about just constantly switching it up. And not letting them get into a rhythm because when you just play man for 10, 15 minutes at a time or just zone for 10, 15 minutes at a time or even just your boxing one or your triangle and two, whatever you want to run, when you get into rhythm, let them get into a rhythm because it might throw them off for a possession or two. But once they kind of figure it out, they'll, they'll get into that rhythm and they'll be able to overcome it. And that's exactly what they did last time because Cooper opened up shading Applebee. And once they got away from that and once they were able to expose it, we saw Appleby just getting easy touches and shooting right away. And that's, and that's exactly when you got to throw them off again and you switch out to a zone or to a straight man or to whatever it might be to just – they come down the court expecting one thing and they're completely thrown off by what they see. And then it takes them a few more possessions to kind of get into it, and you never allow them to establish that momentum. You know, I think that's what it's, that's what it's got to be about defensively. And then listening to Floyd's radio show on, on, on Monday, he, when he, he was actually going into depth, in depth about how they were preparing, and he's talking about, well, I, had, I was in a room 
looking at, I don't know what, what exactly he was looking at, and it was Cantu in the room, and it was Johnson, and they were each looking at, it was, I don't like, I don't remember exactly, but it was like Floyd was looking at every basket scored on them. Cantu was looking at every half-court basket, and, and you know what I mean? They each had their own, and looking at that, I think that's exactly what has to happen is what what worked in certain stretches for Old Dominion when they were able to shut them down? What worked in certain stretches for Charlotte? They may not run the exact same defensive schemes, but if UTEP has something close to that, Floyd's going to pull that out in his black po- back pocket, and you know he has that list on there, and it's probably going to be loaded, you know, with matchups and, and things that, that kind of slowed them down. And we talk with, talking with Jason Jones in our q and I mean, the, the thing that really frustrated – what really frustrated – LaTeX offense was Old Dominion and and I noticed in the Charlotte and their ability to break their press on defense and kind of force them to hey you're gonna have to play half court against us we're gonna break it we're gonna get two on one opportunities with just Michael Kaiser who's a great shot blocker but two on one opportunities I, I don't care who you are I, I'll take that two on one okay. better than a, a good shot blocker so I really it, I think it goes back to what you're saying about the offense just break the press and force them to be a half court team so you can tinker with those defenses mm-hmm. so you can make them adjust a little bit I mean this is this in and, and Raheem Appleby struggling recently he was four of twenty against Old Dominion, and I have it here, I think, 18 out of his last 53 from the field. And if UTEP can put a little body on him, he's not that big of a guy. I think a guy like Julian Washburn can just frustrate the hell out of a guy like Apple because, like I said, they, they had Cooper mostly on him. They had a little bit of Omega Harris. We didn't see the bigger guys on him. So, I mean, there's just so many matches, but I agree. You've you got to kind of – it's hard to guard this team man-to-man, especially for UTEP when you use your lane and your physicality more than your quickness and your speed at certain spots. Of course, Omega Harris can hang with the quickness, and Cooper's proven that. Um, but, I mean, that to me, that's just the biggest thing of protecting that rim. And really, I mean, of course, obviously, it's always rebounding because, I mean, LaTeX was supposedly the worst rebounding team, but they did a number to UTEP on the glass the last time. Yeah, and, and you just have to continue to frustrate them. And, and like we talked about, like I'm saying, with – with different defenses, with jump defenses, just don't let them get into a rhythm. Throw in some pressure here and there. Um, <clears throat> if you look at the one thing that that we that was Louisiana Tech knock since day one coming into the season was their lack of depth. And if you look at what they what they do, I mean, they've kind of they're they're starting to play more guys. If you notice, yeah. But they're still not really that productive, and it's kind of. It's almost more for show. These guys are only averaging, like some of them are only averaging three, four, five, six minutes a game. Um, I mean, the only real legit threat they have off the bench is Stapleton. I mean, that's the only guy that you can kind of expect to maybe even have a big day if he's on. I mean, other than that, like you said, they're, they're really – it's kind of like growth, I guess, for next year because they're going to see a lot of these guys down their bench next year. And it's also helping out for, you know, maybe the conference tournament, maybe games like UTEP, but it's it's you that. look at you look at the last two games off the bench and uh Louisiana Tech had four five rebounds and twelve points against Old Dominion. And Five rebounds, about the same. They're averaging about 13 points, five rebounds off the bench. Um, so they're not getting a lot of production, especially when you talk about a team that scores so much. When you're averaging 72, 70, I don't know what their exact average is, probably in the 70s, right? Low 70s, something like that. When you're averaging 70 something points a game and you're getting 60 plus out of your starters, you're 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 really 
walking a fine line because if some of those starters start to get in foul trouble, man, you're you're, you're struggling to find that anywhere else. And um, and again, I I'll take a step back and go back to what I talked about with Vince. You know, McCree and Kaiser have done well on the inside for these guys, and if if Vince can get going early, be active. Same thing with Seth. Seth's got to continue to play big. I feel like for whatever reason we're always the team that gets into foul trouble. I don't know what it is, but so many times we're, it's us that's getting into foul trouble. We need to flip that this game. Yeah. We need them to be in foul trouble. Desperately. Because if they have to put their guys on the bench, you know, with 10 minutes to go in the first half and we can make a little run to close the half, that's huge. I like our chances. That's exactly. And so we got, we got to figure out a way to, to flip that, man. Um, it's just breaking the press. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that should be the key. I mean, this game is getting crazier and crazier as it goes along, man. But anyway, um, yeah. I mean, you look, you look at, at a lot of like the bulk of their shot attempts. You have six guys with 80 attempts. The guy that's low, the, the, the next guy up is, Jaco, is Jacoby Boykins, who's in the center, eight guy. And then if you look at, at UTEP, I mean, UTEP's kind of in that same mold, you know, but it's really kind of, like you said, who's going to who's gonna have to go deeper in their bench or who's going to have to fight, battle through foul trouble. And the key is just breaking that press and, and being aggressive and being able to hit those free throws, not just getting to the free throw line and get him in the foul trouble, but to hit him on the road. UTEP was 1-7 on the line, you know, against La Tech at home. And, I mean, this is – there's – I just can't wait for this damn game to start. I really wish, like I was telling you, I really wish it was that one guy, uh, Gus Johnson, doing the game. That would just add to the pandemonium of what is a conference championship game. I'm just but, glad it's a six it's six p.m. tip, man. I don't have to wait that extra hour. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But definitely, I mean, man, we've been all right. We could talk about this all night, probably. But last thing, and I know we've, we've touched on a hundred different things, but. Give me, give me the number one key to the game and a prediction. Prediction. <laughs> number one key, I, I think, is, is just containing them, containing them defensively, not letting them play in the 70s and dictating the pace. You know, I, I'm going to switch it. I think pace, I, I just said right there, I think the pace of this game is a key. If UTEP can get into that grinded-out game, that physical game, and kind of slow down La Tech and force them to be methodical in the half court, which they're not, I think, why are they rushing hard? I guess you're being the upset team, but uh, I, I, that just pace. I think pace is a big deal because pace goes to rebounding. Because if UTEP is rebounding, they can control the pace. If they're not rebounding, LaTeX getting getting putbacks, and they're controlling. They're getting fast scores. So to me, the pace is very very important in this one for both teams. But more importantly, UTEP to put into that grind it out physical, throw it inside, get guys in foul trouble, and and have me play their game. Don't get outside. Don't try to get in a track meet with LaTeX. And prediction, man, I mean, my heart of hearts, my 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 homer heart says UTEP by four, but the, the realistic says, I mean, it's a pick em, So I'm not going to pick against UTEP. I'm not. I'm not picking against UTEP. Oh, I, I, I just, I, I mean, it's... I'm not saying Miners are going to win, but, I mean, they just they, – they have, like you said, what's said, it's heart. Said brings heart. Said has that aspect of, of playing hard, and that's what needs to get into every one of these guys. They're going to have to play their hearts out. They're going to have to play inspired. They're going to have to play pissed off. Like Floyd said, they're going to have to go in there with a little bit of an attitude. And I'm thinking this team, from what we've seen, 
I'm confident enough to say that that'll be there, and now the rest of it just has to follow through. What I'm going to go ahead and say that the, the, my number one key is um, the last thing that we touched on is foul trouble. Got to stay out of foul trouble. Keeping guys on the even floor. If, even if Wilms plays, we're not deep enough to get Vince said into foul trouble and and be able to, to come away with the win. Wow, I've never seen that. Well, I can't say I've never seen that, but that was nuts. I think it was down. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we really, really have to stay out of foul trouble. We need Vince on the floor. We need Seth on the floor. And I just, I don't I, I don't know if if I can pick UTEP to win this game. Um, again, it's the same thing. You know, the homer in me wants to say that, yeah, we are going to be able to win this game. I just think my prediction is going to be it's going to be a very close game. I think so, too. And the the winner's going to come down to whoever makes the shots in the last minute or so of the game. Stops and shots Stops and, and shots. free throws. That's, That's pretty much it, man. Yeah. I don't think either team's going to be able to establish much momentum throughout the game. Um, I think it should be pretty hard fought throughout. I think both teams know what, what's on the line. And hopefully some miners are able to make some shots on the stretch, man. CJ's been huge. Irvin's been making some big shots. And hopefully they can continue that tomorrow night on the road and, and we'll be able to come away with the win and not not yet crown ourselves champs, but, you know, be be well on our way. About to pray to the basketball guys tonight. <laughs> All right, man. Let's let's uh let's take a quick look at, at the rest of Conference USA and talk about uh, our rankings this week was was a little tough. We had we had a tie at the top as far as points go, as far as first place votes go. Uh, I'm sorry, it wasn't points. UTEP had a, a couple more points, um, so they got the nod. But that shows you how how close everybody thinks this conference is at the top, oh, man. and how close this game should be. I mean, I I put UTEP number one because I'm a homer. But damn, last second. I think it's pretty clear to see who put UTEP number one. I think we've got like six UTEP voters. Yeah, and it's six, six, first, six yeah. first place votes. So I think we're pretty clear on who put UTEP first. Yeah, man. But I mean, this this is gonna decide it. I mean, it, it's we talked about it last week how it was UTEP and everybody else, and I felt like Old Dominion deserved to be in that three spot, and I think they proved it that it's really Old Dominion, La Tech, and, and UTEP when, they, when we're talking about the conference tournament. It's really going to come down to those three. Which team can get hot out of those three? Obviously, the we both feel we're kind of on the same page that the winner of this game tomorrow is going to have that upper hand, not only to finish out the regular season, La Tech with two games at home, UTEP with, I mean, basically three, you know, talking about even those Southern Misses on the road. I mean, that's a game that you should easily win. Um, but, I mean, really, those it's it's kind of set at the top there, and this game is going to decide a lot. It's going to decide everything, and, and you're talking about how close this really was. I mean, I even had to text you, what do we do, bro? Yeah. What do we do at the top? I don't want to disrespect my tech, but, I mean, UTEP got 162 votes, and we're going down to – we don't have a number two, uh, four team this week because we have a tie at number three with Old Dominion and UAB, and this is very interesting. I just – I. I'm on the, fin- the side of the fence where I think Old Dominion had their chance to, to be considered a top team. Now I think they're one of the middle tier teams. You know, they're, yes, they have some young athletes. They have some great. They're a great defensive team in certain stretches. But I'm just not sold on Old Dominion, even though they have the conference tournament at home. I'm just. I've seen some of their losses recently, and it's just you. You got to put them in that four down. I mean, I I, I just don't. I don't know how. Anybody I mean, could vote UAB over Old Dominion. Yeah, yeah, the lot, lot Tech win for Old Dominion definitely put them back into into the conversation because if they would have lost that one, it would have been hard. But 
Yeah, at this point, um, the thing about Old Dominion is they're going to have to play at a neutral site. They All their big games seems like they've been winning at home this year. Yeah, that's true. That's true, but um, still, 26-9-5. I know that they've struggled a bit in the conference, but I I, I have to pick Old Dominion over oh, yeah. over UAB. I don't think they're and where do you come out on UAB? Because like I said I, I just I'm not sold on. I was sold on them very early in the year, but seeing you know the way that they can kind of go on droughts offensively, even though they can shut you down and they beat La Tech by 20, I'm just not sold on this. Yeah, team. I mean look, they're a young team, and I the one thing that you can buy into about them is that they're gonna be playing the conference tournament on their home floor. Yeah. And I don't care who you are, they're 11 and four. You don't want to see them. You don't want to see them on your side of the bracket until the championship. Until the championship game, yeah. I mean, because then it don't matter. But you don't. You don't want to see this team. You don't want to have to beat the home team that's playing pretty well right now. Um, they yeah, they are sporadic, but they've shown they can put up 80, 85 points. You don't want to have to play them um, in a do or die game. And so, I, I'm not sold on them as far as like you know. I don't think. I think they're playing above. What where they sh- where they should be? I guess you could say. I, I don't think that that anybody could have thought coming in that they'd be top four in the league. So I I think I think they're they're playing better than than most expected and and maybe even above their I don't want to say above their talent, but you know what I mean like it, above their ceiling of what we yeah kind of I mean, expected. You, you would have you wouldn't have thought. And so I I I don't think they're as good a team as their record shows. No, as their, their I, conference I record. So. You know. I don't think so either. Um. They played. They played well in stretches. They've come up with some big wins. And again, I wouldn't want to see them in front of me in the conference tournament. But I'm not ready to buy in and say, oh, they're definitely a top four team in the league. At this top three is they're tied right now. They're, at the same time, as who even knows? Like this, this league has been so crazy this year that like you just you don't even know where to put people. And it's like Western Kentucky, I mean, they were, and they're on a for, face plant right for now. a while. I mean, we, we both of us were high on them when they were in that six game, seven game win streak and. Now we're starting to see that they are basically just all about George Spatt and T.J. Price. Yeah, they sometimes. are. And, I mean, that's a great duel. That's a very great duel. But, I mean, can that really ride them in the conference tournament? Like the only thing that pisses me off is that one kid had to show up against us, that Butler transfer, uh, Harrison Dox. Oh, yeah. That guy killed us, man. He yep. had some big shots. Yep. And I haven't seen him do that since because he, he bricked a couple against um, uh, Middle Tennessee. He had some big chances to win that game. And that takes us right into our number 16, Middle Tennessee, who's – Sort of, I wouldn't say surging, but they put a really good stretch of games together last week. They're, they're playing better. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it's exactly surging, like, you know, that they're going to take overtake anybody in the top half of the league, I guess, the top third, but they're playing much better. <laughs> Whoa, I knew that was coming up, my bad. Um, but, yeah, like, they're another team that at this point, you've seen a couple big wins from them, and, and they're kind of scary, too, coming into the conference tournament. What's crazy is, damn, those guys are sick, man. It's ridiculous. <laughs> that was a ridiculous dunk. Look, I'm for sports in the top town, like Kentucky dunk. But um, what's crazy is that I just mentioned how inconsistent and bad at times this league has been. But at the same time, you're going to have to play somebody, right, in the quarterfinals and, and the semis, assuming you make it that far. But you start looking at these teams, it's like, who do, who would you even want to see? Like we talked so much about how bad this league has been and how inconsistent, but do you want to have to go up against Western Kentucky or or Middle Tennessee, Old Dominion, any of these teams? Like who would you even want to play coming in? So 
it, it's tough. Like as as inconsistent as some of these teams have been, it, it's still scary because at times you've seen how good they can be. And Middle Tennessee is one of those teams that right now is showing how good they can be. Um, but I, I would say, I guess if anybody, that that might be one of the teams that I that I wouldn't mind seeing early on. Yeah, I mean they got a, they got a good defensive team, but they got that kid uh, Giddy Potts, who's an all conference name type of guy with a name like Giddy Potts. He's been hot, but. I mean, still that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're talking about a, a Tim Floyd disciple that can beat you with his de- with his junk defenses, like we talked about earlier with Kermit Davis. So definitely a team to look out for. Number seven, UTSA checks in a game above 500 overall, 13 and 12, seven and seven. They got the Southern Miss La Tech swing. They get in that La Tech game. The way that they came out and they hit against UTEP. I mean, you, you know, that's a real trap game for La Tech. Even though that's a game, they're probably going to be favored pretty heavily, though. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know what to say about these guys anymore, man. Um, they're obviously playing better than they were a few weeks back. UTEP goes out and beats UTSA by 18, 18 the first time around, and then this last time they I mean, jumped out to a 24-12 lead. I mean, you take away that first big run, and UTEP really dominated the game, yeah. But you can't take away the first big run. You know, it's part of the game. And they came out hot, and they hit shots. And I'm sitting there thinking we might be in, getting the 80s in this game. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, minutes, 15 points. They, they scored 15 points in four or five minutes. Yep. And they had 20 before the 14-minute mark. It's like, I mean, that, that was tough. But um, but once that kind of faded away, and you see that they only scored 62, so they scored 20 in the first six minutes, and then scored only 42 in the last 34. So, I mean, this is a team that's definitely improved. They're they're no they're not a better basketball team than the middle of the pack. I mean, no doubt about it. They they they're good, probably going to do the same thing to Lot Tech as far as giving them a little bit of fits, maybe knock down some shots and keep it close for a while. But Lot Tech has even more firepower than UTEP has um, as far as like point scoring ability. So I would think in the end, Lot Tech can come away with that one by at least ten, twelve points. So um, again, UTSA. I mean, they're they're improved over the last few weeks, but. They're not. They're not gonna be making much noise. You, honestly, the, I, the next team that we're getting into, I could care less about anybody below them. But North Texas is starting to look scary because they won four straight. Yeah, they have. And they received a lot of love and, this week in the poll. And then me. And the, the, the wins that they had this week were on the road, right? It was the they the had Florida the, swing. Florida swing. And you know, the first one they played FAU, and they snuck one out in the end. The last couple minutes, they they picked up that that win. And I would say of the two Florida schools, FIU is the stronger one. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of said, all right, well, they lost, they they got by FAU. You know, most people have. Um, F, FIU will take care of business, right? They, or did I say that right? They got, right? they got they by, got by FIU. No, they got by FAU. Yeah, they got by FAU. Uh, they won by seven, but it was a closer game than that down the stretch. And so I figured, uh, you know, FIU will be able to, to pull it out at home and and – it was a close game at half. I think North Texas was up two or three at half, if I'm not mistaken. And and really never looked back in the second half. By the 10-minute mark, they were probably up 10 or 12 points. And the FIU just had no answer for them. And so when you can play that well on the road, even against a team like FIU, when you can play that well on the road, I mean, <clears throat> you're obviously playing some good basketball. So... They beat UAB and Middle Tennessee at home, which are and obviously close games. very big Two wins. Really yeah. close games. And that's another thing. When you can win close games against good teams, 
you're playing some very good basketball. So they're doing some things here, you know, winning the close games, winning against good teams, winning on the road that, you know, starts to get a little scary when you might have to see them even in an opening round game in the Conference USA tournament. So, um, and they got guards that can hit shots. And I mean, Colin Boston, I've always felt that he's a, one of the better power forwards in the league. And that's a, that's a scary combo because we saw this team at their beginning of the year and we talked about how efficient they were offensively. They could just kind of put it together and then UTEP steamrolled them and they kind of didn't really recover. It took a couple of, about a month to recover, but you see now what they're getting. And Jordan Williams is one of the best players in the league. And yeah, he is. I mean, let's, let's, also, let's also be realistic because, yes, they they are playing well, but at the same time, you look past these four, these four games, right? This is a team that lost to Marshall and Southern Miss. So they've lost to two of the worst teams in the league, and they're not a team that scores a lot of points. They do rebound the ball fairly well, but, I mean, I hear I, – I, they're playing they're they're kinda of like UTSA in a sense, you know. They're yeah. playing much better than they were when UTEP saw them uh in the beginning of the conference schedule, but it's still a team that, that they're not a they're not a complete team yet, you know? Um I don't know. A couple guys that come out. just it just it's just kind of it's weird though, because, I mean that you like you said they lost the Southern Miss and and Marshall and they roll out four, yeah, that's four exactly, straight. I mean, that's but a that's great what you expect from teams like that. You yeah. know what I mean? That's you expect these little stretches, these these kind of blips, these these uh, they're, they're not flukes, but just they get hot for a minute and then they they die off, they get cold, and I don't think I don't think for UTEP they're much to worry about. Um, but then we'll get again, there when we cross that bridge. Then again, you just never know. I mean, any, anybody can get hot and beat anybody on any, any given day, and then you're in some trouble. Just hope that happens tomorrow with a team that's either wearing black or orange tomorrow. Oh man, dude! Should we even go down there with Phyllis? Out of respect, <laughs> oh, I was. I, was I just. I, I want to go back and talk more about Utah La Tech. Really, I mean that's the golden one. I mean you got. We'll run down the list real quick. Charlotte checked in at number nine. Rice number ten. FIU eleven. Marshall twelve. Southern Miss wasn't last. They were thirteen. That was big breaking news in the poll. And then we had FAU uh, coming in at four. That was a bad streak. But this bracketology, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting that where they're placing UTEP in that 12 to 14 range. Actually, as you're talking about that, uh, Joe Lunardi comes out with his last four in, first four out, next four out. And, of course, um, nobody from Conference USA is anywhere to be found. Yep. Which is kind of expected, man. No, no team, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this for a minute here. No team really has that strong of a resume. In fact, the one that has the best resume is the one that's struggling. Well, I mean, not, not the most, I guess, but, you know, they came up with that big win against La Tech. But Old Dominion, man, they really shot themselves in the foot. On the road. They couldn't the road come games. up with the big road wins. And if, if they had just won two of those and they're sitting at 11-4 and four right now in conference, right, they're 9-5, and five, is that right? Or 11-3 and three then? 11-3? and three? They're probably very close to being a lock for the NCAA tournament because you look at their schedule. They have a win against Richmond. Who, let me check the live RPI. I'm pretty sure Richmond just jumped up after that win over. Yeah, Richmond's up to 66. So you got you got a win against Richmond, 66. You got a win against LSU, who's right borderline top 50. You got a win against VCU, who's top 25. Georgia State's top 100. William and Mary's top 100. 
and Louisiana Tech is top 100. So by far, with with five wins, the best resume in Conference USA. And we get a sniff. And they they really don't. I mean, they're kind. Everybody's kind of like putting them as the one team that could, but. It's like the scenario that we talked about last week where Old Dominion and UTEP has got to be on the opposite side of them brackets and meet in the championship game. That's, that's I mean, yeah. UTEP has an opportunity to be in that 50s, uh, you know, the high 50s, low 40s range if they do win out and get all the way If, they, if they went out, they'll be top 50 for sure. Yeah, UTEP for will be sure. in the top 50. If they went out to the championship game, they'll be probably mid-40s. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it, it almost has to happen where it's UTEP and Old Dominion in the championship game because I think it would be more. I think it's more likely that it's UTEP and La Tech, if if it were to turn out like that, where they're one two, they're opposite, yeah. and they and they meet, right? Um, but La Tech just doesn't have the resume. They don't have the big wins, and and that we've talked about UTEP possibly having a chance to become a bubble team if they went out to the championship game. But if you lose in the championship game to La Tech, oh, you're done. You're done. You're going to NIT you're if you you're win going to NIT, and so. It's got to happen to where it's Old Dominion. And really, it's almost for the conference to get too big, it's almost like UTEP has to win and Old Dominion has to lose, yeah. and gets that Because if, if you, I mean, the way I'm looking at it, the way things are, are shaping out, UTEP, even if they lose their time championship game, may be on that verge of the last four out, next four out. You know what I mean? They may be in those eight, those eight bubble teams that are serious. But and yeah. Look, man, I look back at that Marshall game. That's that. Killer. I mentioned at the beginning about how I said that, you know, oh, I almost wish they lose because that's what will wake them up. And it did wake them up, but you never really, truly, like, in the bottom of your heart, wish they lose. You're still watching to the last second, like, hoping they, some miracle happens, right? But I look back at that game, and, and that's that's really the only blemish on this team's schedule. Even New Mexico State, man. New Mexico State's up to 112 in the RPI. And they they won their outright, 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 outright. And and so they might might sneak into that top 100, maybe. Um, but even at you know right outside the top 100, that's not a terrible loss. Um, and then you got Western Kentucky, who's 120. That's not a terrible loss. So you got two, your two worst losses would be in the top 120 of the RPI if you had that Marshall win. And UTEP's resume isn't terrible, you know. They just don't have any big big wins. But that they don't have Xavier any... win is a top 50 win. Yeah. Uh, the Old Dominion win is a top 50 win. So you've got two top 50 wins. You know, if you were to go into the tournament, let's say you met, uh, when that's, this is kind of just like the double-edged sword because you, you almost can't meet Old Dominion before the championship and then lose to whoever in the championship, you know. But but if you met Old Dominion, you'd have a third top 50 win if you got that. So you, there's still chances to build your resume, but I just don't know if it's, it's going to be enough to get it done, man. And I look back at that Marshall game, and if you, if you take that blemish off and, and UTEP is – Twenty and six right now, and we finish the season at twenty five and seven. Oh, I think you with with four top fifty wins or whatever it is that it would be at that point, three or four, and, and maybe five or six top one hundred. I think you'd you'd have a good opportunity to get there. Um, as it stands today, I just I don't know, man. It's gotta go down tomorrow. It's gotta go down. This is a totally random question. Do you like Bill Walton? Did you hear? I know. I was. I, I, I think. That's why I'm asking you. I was watching that game. Tell me. Tell me you talking that, about. That game where he was just going off with some crazy shit a yeah. couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he was just talking about What was, it? What was like, it? It was a Friday night are game. Are you just like some senile old man? Or like, what is going on? And I was buzzing pretty well. And I was, even I was like, what the fuck is this guy saying? 
<laughs> I mean, you got to respect what he's done. But oh, yeah. I don't know if I respect him as an analyst. Yeah, that guy is from the depths of hell, yeah. raises a Satan son of basketball to the depths of the conference of champions. Yeah, no, bro. No, know. bro. That guy just, I don't know, got, maybe I need what he's smoking or something. <laughs> All right, let's run down this real quick. Let's just see what uh, the conference has got going on tomorrow night. Obviously, we talked plenty about Louisiana Tech and UTEP. Biggest game of no the No more night. jinx. I'm not making no more picks on that game. <laughs> but uh, let's... Let's move on and let's let's see what else is is going on. First game up at well, obviously UTEP is a six p.m. tip as well. But besides that, uh, Charlotte at North Texas. Charlotte's favored by two and a half. Uh, that's kind of that's a tough one to pick. That's a tough one because Charlotte's played well, but North Texas had some good wins at home. You know, we talked about their win against uh, Middle Tennessee and Auburn, but Charlotte is playing well and they have that personnel that we've all talked about. It's, isn't Charlotte's only a two-point favorite? Two and a half. That's about fair, and I think Charlotte will be able to. It's going to be a close game, but I think uh, Charlotte will be able to. You were so big on North Texas. I was, but I, with the way Charlotte's been playing, especially, I mean, they should have beat La Tech. They had, them, they had multiple chances to stretch a five- to six-point lead out to more, and they just continued to let La Tech come at them. But I think Charlotte, and that could be a game where North Texas could really prove to us that they maybe turn that corner to win five straight, but I think Charlotte will be able to pull that one out. Yeah, and I think um, I think I think you're right. I I'm gonna go with Charlotte, and I think more than anything, it's because of their ability to score points. Yeah, I just think they're gonna be able to get Henry, after it, and, and they've shown in the past couple of weeks like they can get up into the 80s, and if they can get into the high 70s, low 80s against a team like North Texas, I think that they'll go in easily by by more than that two and a half. Like UTEP is actually a five point dog. If anybody out there is wondering, um, FIU at Marshall also a, a 6 p.m. tip. Um, Marshall's favored by five, which is kind of, I don't know, I, I, I wouldn't have expected that. I think that's a toss-up game. Like you said, FIU does have some talent, but the way Marshall's been playing lately, it's kind of like what team's going to show up. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's a toss-up game. But I, I would think Marshall would protect their home floor in that game. And I, I would I would say Marshall, and, but not by five points. <laughs> I'm going to say that FIU, FIU actually is going to pull this one out. Marshall just hasn't shown enough. I mean, yeah, they've come up with some big wins, but they're still 9-18 on the season. Um I think I think FIU will be able to rebound and pick up pick up a win here. Not that it means too much, but I think they'll be able to. Another 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. tip. Florida Atlantic at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is favored by 12. I don't even know if they cover that with the way that they're playing right now. They should. They should be able to win easily against a team like Florida Atlantic that's been struggling greatly. But um, if Western Kentucky can't get this one, man, I don't even know what to say anymore. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they're going to come out. I know Ray Harper's a hell of a coach. They've been to some NCAA tournaments. Their personnel has been to some NCAA tournaments, and I think that's a game that I wouldn't say they'll turn the corner, but they can build themselves with some confidence with putting up an 80-90 point performance, having eight or ten three-pointers or whatever it is that they like to shoot. But, yeah, I think West Kentucky, I, I would take them to cover that one. Old Dominion at Rice is a, another 6 p.m. Actually, all games surprisingly go at 6 p.m. tomorrow. I didn't realize that, but. Old Dominion at Rice. Old Dominion is only favored by five and a half, and that's kind of not surprising the way Old Dominion struggled on the road. But this is a game that that they they have to win. I mean, they cannot afford to lose this game if they want any hope at postseason play. I think this game is going to be similar to UTEP, where Rice will throw some daggers early. 
Old Dominion will be able to close it. Rice will throw some daggers late, and Old Dominion will be able to run away. I think that win by maybe eight to ten points. But I mean, Rice is, is proven to be pretty tough, and they can hit some shots at home. And I think just those early daggers that they can throw at, at Old Dominion, if it buries Old Dominion, that just pretty this much is, hurts the conference. This but, is what's scary right here, man. I'm watching this Duke Virginia Tech game, and look, man, there's no, there's no disguising it. Virginia Tech sucks. That, but they always have Duke Summer. They do, but I mean, at home, at we've least. been seeing this a lot lately. Um, I noticed it in, in the USC game against Arizona State on Sunday, if you saw that one. Uh, who was it last night? Boston College against Pitt. Pitt's been playing really well, and Boston College just kept hitting shots. Boston College ended up losing, but, you know, these, these it just shows what, even if you're not a great team, like, if you get it going and you get that confidence, you start seeing that ball go through the basket. You you can really be anybody, and and you're seeing it right now. Duke is down eight to Virginia Tech. Duke was up twelve or fourteen points in the first half, and now they're down by eight. So, um, you know, translating that over to Conference USA and UTEP, I mean, you know, if you're in a Conference USA tournament and you see any of these teams, it's just crazy. You you know, you you slip up one time and it's all it's all over, man. You're playing CBI. But Old Dominion Rice, I agree with you, man. Uh, again, a game that they can't lose, and I, and I think they'll be able to, even if it is a game of runs, I think they'll be able to come up late and, and win and probably cover that spread as well. UTSA at Southern Miss, last game of the night. Um, if UTSA doesn't win that one. Yeah, that's, they, um, I would. It's funny, I was, I was waiting for UTSA fans to be like talking shit on Twitter the other night, and I didn't really see anything. Hard to when you swept them in football, basketball. <laughs> Probably we had well, other baseball teams pretty good, but and their volleyball team, but they are volleyball schools. But shout out to the volleyball. Shout schools out to the there. volleyball schools. Yeah, man, I was waiting for them to, to talk shit or something, but I didn't see anything. Yeah, I think they know better in basketball. Yeah, just like I kind of blasted them with that post on the basketball. But they, but, but but they did. I'll give them this. They did point out that one story which I didn't even hear about until I saw it on their Twitter about um uh that kid from. What high school was it? Was it Coral or some kid? Some kid had one of these uh, little fake signing ceremonies, man. Really? You were here in El Paso. You didn't hear about that? Uh-uh. Uh, I, I got to look it up to figure out what school it was. I can't remember. But uh, he, so so he has a, a, you know, on National Signing Day, they have, like, the table set up and everything for him and a couple other people from his school. Uh, they're going to... I think the other two were going to, like, New Mexico Highlands, but he said that he was playing baseball for Houston, University of Houston. And so he had the signing ceremony and everything and all the press and all this stuff, and then it comes out that, like, Houston's like, we don't even know who this guy is. We've never recruited him. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and and then he, they came back out, and they were like, no, 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 we didn't say it was, like, a national letter of intent. Walking up. We, we were signing a, a, a scholarship agreement, because I guess he got an, an academic scholarship to Houston. So he's like, he was signing an academic scholarship, and he's going to walk on. But the coaches were like, even the guys that walk on, we have scouted them, we've recruited yeah. them, we've asked them to come walk on, you know? So it was this whole kind of, like, scandal, and, and, and the guys from UTSA definitely made it a point to point to, to point that out about El Paso. That's cool, man. I'm still. Oh, I was about to say. I'm gonna say I still go in that city and fuck that women, man. What's up? Oh, out of my single guys. Oh, out of my single guys. That's it. Oh man. <laughs> it's all good, man. But man, uh, tomorrow we'll see y'all at that uh, at the thread, man. It's gonna be. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of injury on the comment thread tomorrow. I, I just, say the least. And I hope we can come away with this one. 
Biggest game of the year. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, y'all know where to find us. I won't even waste time going over it because we always mess it up. And they know where to find us. You want to give it a try? Nah, I'm good. That's about it, man. That's the rush. Wednesday, 225, 2015. We out. We out.